good friends and welcome to worship at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. We are very glad that you have found your way to us here in the sanctuary or through our live stream on Facebook Live. Um, we are glad you're here. If you are a visitor, we're especially excited to see you and to know you better. We are beginning orientation classes. Those will be held on Zoom on Thursday evenings here in the coming weeks. We would like to share more information about that with you by contact, if you contact the church office or find my email so we can make sure to make those connections and welcome you into that space. Selwyn Avenue continues to look ahead with hope and great care as we move towards a season of um, reconnecting and re-engaging with one another, uh, both in worship and in fellowship in safe ways. We continue to welcome people into our sanctuary through reservations. Um, you are invited to sign up on our website and then also on our lawn at five o'clock each Sunday evening we do host an outdoor worship service where masks are no longer required so please join us if you would like. This morning we are celebrating Senior Recognition Sunday and also this evening as 15 of Selwyn's own um, look ahead towards new phases in their lives and we celebrate with them both this morning and this evening. If you are a young person and between uh, preschool age and fifth grade, please know we are now signing up for Vacation Bible School. And next Sunday, we welcome Liz Clayson Kelly, who is the CEO of Roof Above. She'll be sharing this pulpit in the morning and in the evening at both services. I invite you to attend that worship service in whatever way you feel comfortable. And now let us prepare our hearts to worship God. Good morning. Please rise with me in body and spirit as you are able as we call ourselves to worship this day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol the Lord, all you peoples. The Lord's steadfast love is great. The faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord.
John's Gospel tells us that if we claim we have no sin, that we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But God, who is faithful, and just, and quick to forgive our sins, will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins together before God and one another using the prayer in the bulletin. Even when we were dead, Paul writes, even when we turned away from the one who had created us, even when we lived in the grip of what drew our gaze from God, even when we were oblivious, even when we followed a path fashioned of nothing but our own desires, even when we wandered far and willfully away, even when we forgot to look past our own feet and to see the wonders not of our making. Even when we failed to stand in awe, to breathe thanks, to lean into the love that had waited long for us. Even when, Paul writes, even when, even then, grace. Friends, Ephesians offers us these words of assurance. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which God loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. You all may be seated, and it is with great joy that I invite Evie Tom to the baptismal font, along with her parents, Ray and Carrie, and our assisting elder and good friend of the Toms, Christy Parks. From the very first time the Tom family showed up here at Sowen Avenue Presbyterian Church, they have blessed us with their authenticity and their intentional thoughtfulness and curiosity, and I have um, benefited from that personally, and I know our congregation has as well. Evie has been an active member in our current confirmation class and has endured a year of Zoom with, with Margot, and uh, will join the church here in a couple of weeks with her friends. Baptism doesn't mean we have all of the answers. It doesn't mean that we don't struggle or suffer or doubt our faith. Baptism is a promise and a covenant between God and our community. It's a, it's a promise that God understands and God will not abandon us and God will see us through to a place of peace and joy. Knowing that life is full of deep sorrows, but also overwhelming joy, Evie's choice to be baptized is an expression of hope and trust and a desire to be in relationship with God in Christ. The book of Romans states that we can do nothing to separate ourselves from the love of God in Christ. This has really been tested <laughs> over the last year as we have struggled to gather together in person. Yet all of us who have been baptized in Christ have been baptized in this suffering and in Christ's death. So that also, just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too might walk into the newness of life by the power of the resurrection not even a pandemic or death can win. Baptism is a sign and a seal of God's everlasting promise of this unearned, uncontrollable grace. It is in baptism that God seals and shows us that we belong to God. And it is here at this font where we know that we are members of a church where you will always find peace and love and forgiveness and joy and grace. So it's a profound joy to stand here at this font with Evie as she says yes to God, and we say yes on Evie's behalf too. Do you want me to hold that? 
Okay, Evie. Putting your whole trust in the grace and love of Jesus Christ, do you desire to be baptized? Trusting in the gracious mercy of Christ's love, do you renounce the ways of sin that separate you from the love of God? Do you turn to Jesus Christ, trusting him as your Lord and Savior? Will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word and showing his love? Carrie and Ray, do you promise through prayer and your example to support and encourage Evie to be a faithful Christian? of Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church promised to share with Eva Murphy Tom the good news of the gospel and to help her to know of the peace and joy and cost of Christian discipleship. We do. Do you promise your prayers and fellowship, caring and encouragement for her, that her ties with the household of God may be strong and enduring? We do. Let us rise and say together what we believe using the historic faith of the church expressed in the Apostles' Creed. I believe, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You all may be seated, and we'll continue in prayer. Holy God, who knows no boundaries and who loves us unconditionally, we give you thanks for your abundance of love. Thank you for your gift of baptism and for claiming each of us as your child, for fully knowing us, and for the ultimate gift of grace in your Son, Christ, his birth, his life, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. For we celebrate new life this day and every day as represented in the waters of baptism. We mark Evie with this sign and seal of your spirit, and so we ask you to watch over her and to protect her. Illumine her heart with your Holy Spirit. In her, give her courage to stand and ask for your assurance. We ask for your assurance and presence to surround her all along the way. In a world where we so easily get lost, guide her back to this place in order that she might be reminded over and over and over that she is never alone, that an entire community of faith prays with her, struggles with her, celebrates with her in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We also give thanks for her presence among us and for her parents, Ray and Carrie, and may our community continue to know them and to love them. Now we ask that you set these waters apart so that what is common is now inspired by your Holy Spirit, that these waters be redemptive and renewing as we pour out your love that is unmatched and above all, the grace-filled love of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Eva Murphy, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What are we supposed to say about Christ's love that is so profound? For Evie, Christ was born, Christ taught and healed and preached. For Evie, Christ suffered on the cross and died and was buried. For Evie, Christ rose again from the dead. You see, we love God because God loves us first, and Evie knows all about it. <laughs> she knows more about it than she'd probably like to know. But she's here before us, and she's independent and brilliant and thoughtful. And while she is fierce and tenacious, she's also really human. She's got a deep heart. And by virtue of what this baptism means, we are telling her that she is enough. She's enough in all of her victories and in all of her failures, on your best days and on your worst days. Her name, Eva, means that she has inherited a legacy 
of integrity and commitment and tenaciousness from both her grandmother and her aunt. And Murphy is Carrie's maiden name. Carrie has a deep, compassionate heart, which she has given to Evie as well. Evie is a loyal friend. She's authentic and honest, and she knows who she is. And now she knows who she is. This is Eva Murphy Tom. She's a child of Carrie and Ray Tom. She is a youth of Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church, and she is a child of God. Eva Murphy Tom is now identified as a child of God in Christ Church. Through baptism, God has put his seal upon Evie to share with us all the benefits of Christ's sacrifice. Let us be supportive of her to be a faithful disciple. With joy and thanksgiving, we welcome Evie into Christ's Church. We are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you, to share the good news of God's love with you, Evie, I know you were worried that I was going to carry you down the aisle and talk about you. I don't need to carry you down that aisle. She's got good legs and good feet and a good brain, and she can do all of this on her own. When we baptize an infant, we leave them with a little children's Bible. Uh, Evie doesn't need that either. What I'm giving her instead is an ancient symbol of baptism. It's a clamshell. And if you've ever gone to, on a pilgrimage, say, on the Camino Trail, then you know that along the way you'll see symbols of the clamshell, which is a mark of initiation. It's the beginning of a journey of pilgrimage. And so may this little shell remind you this day of the journey that you started, and we go with you no, no matter what. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord's countenance be upon you and grant you peace. Amen. entitled Letters to a New Church. So let's just say Jesus hung on the cross in the year 33. And thanks to the disciples and other apostles like Paul, Christian communities popped up all over the empire within just a few years of Jesus' death and resurrection, including several in the heart of the empire, Rome. As Paul was wrapping up his, his mission work in the East, he's heard that things have gotten complicated in Rome. And so he writes a letter. It is the longest, most theologically astute letter of all, and he writes it to a group of folks who had absolutely nothing in common with each other, if not for their hope and trust in the story of Jesus Christ. Our text today is the end of that book. It's Romans 16. As a child or a teenager, I, I never read this chapter. I have struggled to find compelling commentary on it. I've never heard a sermon on this chapter. I've never preached a sermon on it. 
And yet, it might be one of the most important exhortations on what it means for us to serve together within a healthy and vibrant church. Listen carefully, but be warned, I'm about to butcher 28 names. Listen to how Paul describes these people. Listen to how they are connected. Listen to what they do and how they do it. Listen for the word of God as we read it in Romans chapter 16. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Centre, so that you may welcome her in the Lord as is fitting for the saints and help her in whatever she may require from you. For she has been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. Greet Prissa and Aquila, who work with me in Christ Jesus and who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who was the first convert in Asia for Christ. Greet Mary, who has worked hard among you. Greet Andronicus and Juna, Junia, my relatives, who were in prison with me. They are prominent among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Amplitius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my relative Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Traphania and Traphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and greet his mother, a mother to me also. Greet Ascentritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers and sisters who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. This is the word of the Lord. Sometimes, if I'm being honest, I worry if my loving family will even remember that it's Mother's Day. So this year I decided to pick out a few cards for myself. From your son. Mom, you deserve more than the typical thank yous. You've been there for me in so many ways I can't begin to count the things I've learned from you. You are amazing. And I'll never forget how much I owe you. Happy Mother's Day. For you, Mom. I hope you know how proud I am to be so much like you. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. For my wife, joy of my heart, love of my life. To have such a beautiful family, a comfortable home, that's like code for clean home, and a wonderful woman at the heart of it all makes me lucky to be with you. Happy Mother's Day. I got more from your dog. Wherever we go, whatever we do, just know I'm happy being with you. If only these sentimental wish dreams were true. I do wish our house were comfortable and the dog was walked, but these expensive cards are fantasies. I leave my shoes all over the house. Sometimes I burn the frozen pizza and my kids eat cereal for dinner. Last week, I totally botched a carpool. More than once, I have lost my temper on the wrong child while letting the other child off the hook. And the truth is, I forgot to mail my mom's Mother's Day card. Sorry, Mom. Paul, on the other hand, entrusted a lady named Phoebe, a respected deacon, a benefactor of the church, a savvy traveler and orator to deliver his commendations to a diverse and complicated bunch. And these names, they roll off the tip of Paul's pen with 
familiarity and with ease. They're Greek names and Jewish names, old people and young people, baseball players and field hockey players and artists and previously enslaved people. There were political elites, immigrants, musicians, business people, married folks, single folks, intellectuals, and ex-cons. But here's the thing about Paul's name dropping. He's making a point. The early church in Rome might have been complicated and messy, but it was also thriving. He calls out these church people not because of their status or their popularity or the way he wishes they were, not because of their grade point averages or their athletic or artistic abilities, but because of who God created them to be, their hearts, their integrity, their humility, their willingness to take risks and to work hard, to do the right thing, to build relationships by virtue of their baptisms. I mean, according to society, these folks aren't supposed to know one another, much less love each other. But actually being authentic and perfect and messy community they have discovered is somehow better than complaining about what they don't have or remaining in isolation. You see, according to Paul, at least, a life of faith is a life of gratitude and commitment and humility. And so he calls out 18 men and 10 women. In all of Scripture, there are over 3,000 names, and yet only 49 of them are women. And yet here, in this one chapter that we usually skip, we find several of them. To be called by name is to be seen. It's to be recognized. It's to be known. It's to be remembered. Hey, all y'all, Paul says, have you met Phoebe? While you're making room for her, why don't you look out for Prissa and her husband, Achilla, too? Because not only did they risk their lives to save my neck, Prissa's teaching is off the charts. She teaches the teachers all over the region. And don't forget Mary or Persis or Trophesis or Trophonia. These ladies, they get lost between the lines, but without them, you know nothing happens on a Sunday morning. What they do is a seamless expression of what they believe, and it often requires no explanation at all. Serving, loving, caring, building, repairing, planting, praying. Which makes Paul's letter all the more profound. I see you ladies. You're known. You are honored. Not for your frivolous busyness, but for your wearisome, exhausting labor. The sacrificial sort of work that is required in hospitality and community building. Just 20 years after Jesus hung on a cross, the work of the church depends on unity of a bunch of folks who normally wouldn't even know each other. And if you ask Paul, there's nothing shocking or radical about the list. There's nothing sentimental or self-serving about it. It's a sort of collaboration. It's the sort of encouragement. It's the sort of radical diversity that is simply a prerequisite if the church hopes to witness the power of the risen Lord to the world. Which leads us to Junia, the only named female apostle in the entire Bible. According to Paul, an apostle must have had an encounter with the risen Christ, demonstrated great sacrifice and commitment to the gospel, and there must be some sort of evidence to their efforts. Well, Junia and her partner Andronicus were prominent amongst the apostles. They came to Christ before Paul did, and they endured prison by his side. And as Dr. Francis Taylor Gintz shares, for 13 centuries, no one seemed to have a problem with Junia's apostleship. The early church fathers, Origen of Alexander in the second century, Jerome in the fourth century, John of Damascus in the seventh century, and so on and so on. No one minded that Junia was an apostle until an archbishop in the thirteenth century changed her name from Junia to Junius. There was opposition to female leadership within the Roman Catholic Church, and well, this sort of suited the reformer Martin Luther. And so by 1522, 
and the Gutenberg Press, they just mansplained the Apostle Junia right out of the narrative for about 500 years. And although several translations of the Bible still print her name as Junius, New Testament scholarship has since presented an overwhelming amount of evidence that both Junia's apostleship and her gender were on point. Why does Junia's apostleship matter? Let me tell you why. Last Monday afternoon, you all might have remembered there was a tornado watch which meant I, along with our office staff, were required to take shelter in a stairwell that leads to a hallway in our child development center where we were greeted with 100 babies, toddlers, and children lining the walls of a safe hallway for 45 minutes instead of taking naps, which meant it did not take me very long before I found myself holding a baby and chatting it up with a precocious four-year-old who I will call Macy. Hey, what's your name? Lori, what's your name? I'm Macy. Guess what, Macy said. That man on the stairs, he's the preacher. Well, hey, Macy, guess what? That man on the stairs is not the preacher. He's a writer, and he helps in our office. Guess who the preacher is? That man on the stairs, Macy, I'm the preacher. Well, Macy said, I'm going to ask my teacher about that. <laughs> I don't blame her for her skepticism. But one day, the church is going to need Macy's bold personality and her curious mind. You see, Paul didn't ask Phoebe to risk her life so that she could carry a sentimental Hallmark card to Rome. Paul was intentional. Perhaps the reason Paul kept ending up in jail is because what he did as a follower of Christ reflected what he said about who Christ was. Why does Junia's name matter? Well, because Junia matters, and because Macy matters, and because Evie Tom matters, and Lucy Caldwell, and Liza Horn, and Kit Daly, they all matter, and their gifts for serving and loving and leading matter. By means of our baptisms, Paul is revealing the beauty of what it means to be one in Christ. In Galatians, he says, there is no longer Greek nor Jew, there is no longer slave nor free, there is no longer male and female. Well, that sounds pretty good. For all of you all are one in Christ. But the temptation, of course, is to approach each other like some sort of Hallmark card, wondering if we could maybe just change each other, wishing the church would turn into an idealized version of whatever would make us feel good or comfortable, hoping we won't disappoint each other emotionally or socially. About the time Selwyn was being formed, over 75 years ago now, Theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer had something to say about all of this. He says, By sheer grace, God will not permit us to live in a dream world. God is not a God of emotionalism, but a God of truth. Every idealized image that we bring into our community, or dare I say our relationships, is a hindrance to whatever is genuine and real. Which brings us to Rufus's mama. Paul says, greet Rufus, he's chosen in the Lord, but greet his mama, who's my mama too. Now, I don't know where Paul's mom lived. Maybe she had died. Maybe they were estranged from one another. Maybe he forgot to write her as often as he wrote his church folks, or maybe he adored her and their relationship was profound. We don't really know about all of that, but what we do know is something about Rufus's mama. And I suspect Paul isn't the only one in the church who loved her. I bet Rufus's mom loved Paul for who he was and not for who folks wanted him to be. I bet she made time for him. And I suspect Paul isn't the only one in the church who loved her. God bless. God bless Rufus's mom for showing up for my kids when I can't, for when I fail, for when I'm less than I need to be, for when I'm not around. 
Maybe Rufus's mom is a confirmation mentor or a Sunday school teacher. She calls to check in. She remembers your name. She tells you she's praying for you and she means it. Folks like Rufus's mom love you simply because she's in your presence. We all know somebody like Rufus's mom. And the truth is, spiritual parents and mentors are no more perfect than our own parents, but perhaps we don't expect them to be either. As Bonhoeffer alludes, even if our personal intentions, even if our intentions are honest and sacrificial, God hates wishful dreaming because it makes us proud and pretentious. We begin setting up demands and expectations for one another that are impossible. And when we can't live up to them, we call it a failure. Today we remember that our community exists solely, only because of what Christ has done for each of us. The more genuine and deeper our community becomes, the more everything else between us will recede. And the more clearly and purely Christ and his work will become the only thing that is alive between us. Let it be so. Amen. This morning, we are here to also celebrate 15 of our graduating seniors. We have three within, in worship with us this morning, and we'll celebrate many more at our 5 o'clock service this evening. At this time, Lori and I will introduce each of our seniors who's here this morning. Seniors, when you hear your name, we invite you and your families to come forward with your blanket and to stand along the carpet in front of the steps. First up, Kit Daly, who is the daughter of Scott and Jennifer Daly. Kit is graduating from Myers Park High School and plans to ascend, attend NC State. Kit was baptized on August 14, 2003. She has lived out her faith in many ways in dedicated service here at the church with her mom at Room in the Inn and also other youth outings and fun times like ski trips and the like. Lucy Caldwell. Lucy is the daughter of David Caldwell and, Shen and Lynn Shanklin Caldwell. Lucy is going to graduate from Myers Park High School and plans to attend NC State in the fall. Lucy was baptized on December 14th in 2003. Lucy was raised and baptized here at Selwyn and has faithfully been a youth in our program. She's participated in Youth Sunday and other youth events like ASP and Montreat. Liza Horn is the son of Christy, uh, the son, the daughter, as you will see, of Christy and Charles Horn. She graduates from Myers Park High School and plans to attend the University of Tennessee. Liza was baptized on November 16, 2003. Liza has been an avid participant, a participant in our youth program, enjoying Montreat, and has also participated in Youth Sunday and Room in the Inn. And I cannot believe you guys are this old. <laughs> Today, we honor our graduating high school seniors and recognize a significant transition in their life as young men and women and members of our congregation. The seniors who are gathered here now and their parents are familiar to us not only because they belong to God, but they also belong to Selwyn Presbyterian Church. Parents at baptism, the church promised to help you guide and nurture your children by word and deed with love and prayer encouraging them to know and follow Christ and be faithful disciples as they grow in ministry and service to the world. The church upheld that promise when we watched your sons and daughters move beyond the faith we gave them to claim in their confirmation and also other ways. As a church family, we uphold that promise every time we gather around the Lord's table to remember the gifts of God and to be fed and strengthened in our lives of discipleship. These sacraments of baptism and of the Lord's Supper gather us into the community of faith, but they also send us out into the world as disciples. So today we celebrate another rite of passage as these young women and their parents shift from being together towards graduation, moving out into God's wor world in hope and in faith. Parents, the time for direct nurture and guidance is ending. Now it's time to send out and let go. Graduates, 
the time for dependence and security is ending. Now is time for maturity and independence and adult responsibility. Just as your parents' love and support always goes with you, the church's promise made to you at baptism will never end, no matter how far away you go or for how long. In the Selwyn tradition, we've given you blankets as a symbol of our continuing care and concern for you as you begin this next chapter of life. May its warmth always remind you of the love of your parents and of this congregation's care and support for you. May it also remind you always of God's grace and enduring love in Christ Jesus. Parents, I invite you now to please unwrap your blankets and place them on your graduate shoulders and then to put your hands on their shoulders so that we might pray together. Let us pray. Oh God, you are closer to us than a parent. Your steadfast love never ends and guides us and directs us through our years. Wrap your loving arms around these graduating seniors and around each parent that their love for one another might be flexible enough to allow for growth yet constant enough to be an anchor against all storms. Fill each graduate with courage in the face of challenges, integrity in the face of dishonesty, and discipline in the face of temptation. Keep their minds open to new learnings and help them to remember what is right and true. Keep their hearts open to lasting relationships and help them love as you have loved us all. Keep their hands open to committed service and help them to serve as you have served us. Wrap your love around them now and in all the days of our lives. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. These three seniors are joined by another 12 seniors who graduate this year. We will be celebrating the rest of them in our evening worship service. And if you would like to read about each of our graduates, they are in your church notes listed so that you might pray for them and wish them well on their way. And now, seniors, go out into the world in peace and courage. Hold on to what is good, returning no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, and help the suffering. Honor all people, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you now and forever. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Wonderful God, God of laughter and promises, source of joy and source of hope, hear our prayers. On this beautiful morning, we lift up so many that we love and honor and celebrate. Scripture has prepared us to recognize that your grace, by your grace, mothering takes many forms. On this day in particular, we give thanks and praise for that. We remember and celebrate those who have loved and shaped and nourished and nurtured and encouraged all of us. In the calm of this beautiful space, we are mindful of those who do not know the beauty of friendship and community and love, those who don't know the security of daily bread, the peace of life without violence or war or separation. So we lift up to you those people around us who suffer on this day, the poor and the hungry, those facing disease, we lift up to you the places torn apart by conflict and natural disaster. We know that you are already there, compassionate and strong. Help us to follow your example, to be your hand and feet in the world, serving your people. In the beauty of this morning, we are mindful of those in our community who are, rack, who are weak with worry and anxiety about their health and the health of those that they love, about work and finances, about children's well-being. We lift up to you, O oh God, all that are anxious. We know, O oh God, that you are the still small voice in the midst of the storm, reminding them to breathe and to trust. We give you thanks, O oh God, for this time together, a time set apart to worship and to celebrate. We lift up to you all our praise for the good in life, we lift up to you that which we cannot name aloud. We lift up to you our hearts, knowing that you have had them all along. 
we offer our prayers in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, God's ancient steadfast love is not a love that simply waits for us. It stops, and it seeks us, and it comes to where we are. God's love continues to seek us every single day, and that makes life more abundant. Our giving this morning, whether we've been lost and wondering or secure, expresses our firm conviction that God is with us no matter what. So let us now together gather our gifts and offer them to God with gratitude and heartfelt commitment and praise. Let us now together dedicate our gifts to God. God of grace, nothing can separate us from your love. United we stand, ready to care for those who face troubles, hardships, persecution, hunger, poverty, danger, and even death. 
May our offerings of time, treasure, and talent glorify your name as we share the good news of your love and grace in Christ our Lord. Amen. which surpasses all understanding, dwell in your hearts and your minds until we meet again. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. 